Rabbits are like triples. Yeah. yeah, they just breed out of control, and you could eat them, but yeah, you'd get nothing out of it. It's like, why didn't those Australians eat those rabbits? Yeah, you can't. They could just eat. They some were giant because it was the night of the lepus. They could eat the giant spiders instead. Yeah, but they're too poisonous. Well, you have to have a skilled spider chef that cuts out the poison sack carefully. Yeah, that's really hard. It is. Shall we, uh, shall we uh, begin this thing? Listeners, why are you listening to another episode of Chewing the Scenery? The horror movie podcast where three friends get together and talk about anything but the horror movie they picked that week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we want to thank the Moon Rays for the intro song. Uh, we're not professional critics, if you couldn't tell. Um, today we're watching a movie. We probably won't talk about it. So if you're really into hearing us talk about Blood Beast of Terror, forget it. Um, anyway, I'm here with Richard. That's me. And Jolian. Hello, Will. Hello. Thank you. Bonsoir. <laughs> oh. All right. So, uh, <laughs> recently watched? Recently watched. Anyone want to begin? Uh, Jolly, I've got. <laughs> He's got a, a a book here that's, you know, all right, just slightly smaller than Gravity's Rainbow in page count. Time. Okay, straight in with a Nicolas Cage movie. Yes, Renfield. Oh, how is it? Have you seen this one? I've not watched that's, it yet. That's on my list too. I watched it. Yep, Chris McKay, who directed uh, Robot Chicken. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, you got uh, Nicholas Holt from The Beast in the Menu, uh, Aquafina as Rebecca Quincy, mm-hmm. um, Nicholas Cage as Count Dracula, mm-hmm. and Caroline Stretch Williams as Vanessa. That's right. Um, I thought I had a few chuckles. I thought the drama was good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, no major complaints. I mean, it was it it was not trying to be anything other than a horror comedy. It brought the comedy. Uh, the horror was, eh, I think, it relied a little more on gore than actual scares. Yeah, but it had some like there's a bit of vampire lore twisting made mm-hmm. it a little different. Yeah, some wonderful flashbacks that looked and felt oh, a yeah. lot like 1931 mm-hmm. Todd Browning. Bela Lugosi Dracula. Yeah. Holy wow. Yeah. Have you seen that? No, not yet. Yeah. I've been waiting for it. Yeah, just, I saw it on disc from the library. Mm, okay. So the the premise really is that the um, Renfield character 
feels that he's in a uh, codependent relationship uh-huh. uh, slash abusive relationship. So he's going to support groups. And uh, at some point he kind of feels empowered to try to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And that's... that sounds like what we do in the shadows, the series. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> a little bit. I'm sure it's good. And I will eventually watch it because it's got Nicolas Cage in it. Oh, yeah. At his cagiest. I mean, he's he's not afraid to really lean into this one. <laughs> well, that's fantastic because, you know, he's been known he is for the being... patron saint of chewing the scenery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's... He's not, uh, he's not accused of being too subdued or subtle with his acting. No. Go over the top. Yeah. <laughs> Where else are you going to go? Under the bottom? Yeah. So uh, what were your favorite things about it? Um, I always liked seeing Aquafina. Of course. Um, it wasn't Bergdamic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would apply that to was, everything. That right? was, uh, you know, you get a star alone if you're not Bergdamic. Yes. Just automatically added. I was, I was in a car crash last night and <laughs> broke both my legs, but it wasn't Birdemic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You can say that now. Yeah. Mm. yeah my legs are the, broken. Over the top gore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For like, that fight at the motel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the, oh. Yeah, I, I won't spoil it for you. Uh, yeah, and you have to understand that... Uh, that nobody in this uh, thinks they're in a movie that isn't this. Like literally every actor is their their part is written and they and they play the part just like it should be. Like it's it, this thing knows it's a comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, William Ragsdale, who you know from Fright Night, who played Charlie mm-hmm. Brewster, plays the older priest. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a cameo that really worked for me. He plays an old. TV show horror host. <laughs> that would have been actually funnier. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they they didn't mess around with this one. They just said, you know what? It's funny. It's silly. It's gory. Yeah. It's not going to really scare you. But it is also like, um, it's by people who obviously love vampire movies. Yeah. It's not, you know, derogatory. It's, it's like, uh, yeah, we know the law. Yeah. We're going to mess around with it a bit but in an interesting way sometimes. That's true. You know, the, you, you can definitely feel the appreciation and the affection for the material. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely. I, I enjoyed it. And this, let's be clear, was released by Universal. Mm-hmm. Universal can do something that isn't Mummy 2017. So just Yeah, that. they've got all these like classic monster films in the pipeline. Yeah, but they've just dropped that whole um, dark universe, like shared universe yeah. idea they used to have. Thank God. I mean, it should have worked out. Now we'd have universal multiverse. So <laughs> you'd be getting, you know, <clears throat> different Frankenstein's, where the monster is the doctor and the doctor's the monster. <gasps> wow. Yeah. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> Reverse vampires, where they give you blood and come out in the day. They give you so much blood, you pop. <laughs> and, and the bats. Are and then they leave CG. all skinny. <laughs> the bats are these CG things where they just flip, flap yeah. the ends of their wings. <laughs> They're CGI'd rubber bats. Yes. They've put the string in and the little loop and everything, and they've made them look as bad as possible. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that's showing respect. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, Return of the Ape Man, 1944. 
uh, directed by Philip Rosen, lasts all of 60 minutes. Perfect. You got 12 minutes to wander around the, tea and... the lobby, yeah, or whatever. <laughs> um, Professor Dexter, played by Bella Lugosi. Is he up mm-hmm. to no good? And Professor John Gilmore, played by John Garradine. Of course. Is he up to any good? <laughs> Experiment with suspended animation on a local drunk named Willie the Weasel. Mm. Seems like someone you'd pick. They work so they that works so they head for the Arctic to find a flash frozen caveman to test out their revival process. Ah, the sure. good old days. Caveman in a cube of ice is right up there, and I can't believe we didn't mention this. Quicksand. Uh, mm. Quicksand plays a, a prominent role in in the movie Prey. Yes. Oh, excellent! Yes. And I just felt like so nostalgic for Quicksand. Yeah, it's like it's not just referring back to the first Predator. It's like, right. And it is a good scene. It is. It makes you feel for her when she's yeah. stuck in that. Yeah. Um, so ten months later, they find the cool caveman. He's a pithecanthropus, neither ape nor man, apparently. Hmm. Uh, Some kind of fish. <laughs> and back in the lab, they wake him up, whip him, and stick him in a cage. Uh, Dexter decides to transplant enough brain to let the ape man talk. Oh, what? That's where they lost me. Yeah. It, I was up. I was with them in the experiment up so, to that point. Yeah, so Professor Gilmore objects to this. And then uh, the Bella Lugosi character says, uh, murder is an ugly word. As a scientist, I don't recognize it. Mm. Sure, that sounds like Bella Lugosi. <laughs> um, the ape man looks like a bum in a sackcloth dress, played by ex-boxer Frank Moran. Uh, George Zuko is co-credited as the ape man, but he dropped out. He said he was ill, Ill apparently. Sure. Oh, I don't feel good. I, I, I got to do something else, yeah. anything else right now. <laughs> and then there's this puff of smoke, and George and then Zuko you hear is the gone. car door open, and the wheels squeal out. Uh, so Gilmore pre- prevents Dexter nicking the brain of a lawyer, his niece's fiance. So Dexter uses his instead. The caveman escapes again and heads for the Gilmore house where he plays piano, then kills Gilda Gilmore for some reason. Okay. The cops find his footprints, but the sergeant says, nah, they're too big to be real. Okay. But the caveman's shorter than Lugosi. They're not like huge Bigfoot prints. They're just ordinary footprints. Mm. But they're too big to be real. The ape man escapes the laboratory cage for a third time and carries off the niece. They should get rid of that cage or, you know, at least get their money back. Yeah. So. You sold me a caveman proof cage and he's gotten out of that thing three times. <laughs> three. I'm telling you. <laughs> no, I want my money back. I don't care. I don't want another replacement cage. Yeah. Then I watched uh, a film called Scream. Scream. Oh. A.K.A. The Outing from 1981. Oh. <laughs> Have you seen this one? Go on. No, I haven't. <laughs> uh, this is directed by Baron Quisenberry, uh, known for directing Nothing Else. <laughs> I love that movie, Nothing Else. Um, At least it wasn't Birdemic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a diverse bunch of white people takes a vacation trip to the ghost town of Talinqua, Texas. The oldest one is played by Hank Warden from a bunch of John Ford Westerns. One of them is a guy named Lou who gets ignored or mocked by everybody. He's the fat one. Yeah. Um, on the first night, there's a hanging and two cleaver murders. Although all the kills happen off screen, so I'm not sure. I think the middle one was a cleaver murder. 
but it could be yeah, it's hard other. to tell it could have been a bird <laughs> characters sleep sit stand and smoke and say i don't know a lot uh woody strode rides into town there's more sitting and smoking and some standing then woody strode leaves a few more killings then woody strode rides back into town the synopsis on wikipedia seems to be for a more coherent cut or i fell asleep from time to time one of the two hmm i know that feeling <clears throat> so that was scream um don't know what the fuss is about that movie yeah i mean they say it revitalized horror yeah they, i don't made five sequels yeah um sea god and ghosts from 1977 this is directed by shenin chin and fu and chung um this is um uh this is taiwanese kung fu story involving wizards and hand-to-hand combat and they use kaiju footage from a 1971 movie called uh tzu hong tzu hong wu um it's just edited in about halfway through yeah and the same footage turns up in a 1982 movie called the fairy and the devil all right uh and I watched uh, Shazam! Fury of the Gods from this year, directed by David F. Sandberg, who did Lights Out and Annabelle Creation. Mm. So there is an Annabelle cameo in this. Of course. Um, this The budget for this was $125 million. Yeah. The box office was $134 million. Was $5 or $539 or whatever. <laughs> Birdemic pulled in. <laughs> right. Um, this one you got Lucy Liu, Helen Mirren, and Rachel Ziegler, who played uh, Maria in the recent West Side Story. Um, they play the daughters of Atlas, who uh, plan to do something something. I wasn't sure what for the entirety of the movie. Uh, meanwhile, Billy Batson and the other members of the Shazam family, I forget the names of, have little interest in being a team or superheroes. You get name checks for Dario Argento, Mario Bava, and Lucio Fulci. All movies, all directors you'd rather be watching movies yeah. from. Um, and this movie is nothing like those, anything those people have done. Yeah. Uh, the climax involves the dragon, manticores, and Harryhausen-style harpies and cyclopes. Um, I like the first Shazam movie, but this has a general air of disinterest in itself. <laughs> like Sandberg would rather be doing something in the style of the directors he name-checks. Well, all right. Kind of like... <laughs> Thor, Love and Thunder, yeah. at times felt like, yeah, nobody cares. Yeah. They just want off the set they, they as don't soon like as possible. What they're doing. Yeah. Um, Soldier Blue from 1970. You've heard of this one? No, no, I don't think so. So this starts with a Cheyenne attack on a paymaster wagon guided by Colorado cavalry. And the two survivors are a naive soldier and a woman raised by the Cheyenne, who's played by Candace Bergen. They head for the nearest fort and Escape a Gunrunner, played by Donald Pleasance. Then eventually she makes it back to her village, but that village is in Sandy Creek, and it's 1864. Oh, no. Terrible timing. Yeah. At least there was a white person there, so we could feel bad about it. (laughs) Um, I mean, why throw her in there? (laughs) Uh, This was publicized as the most savage film in history. Uh, It was a big hit in the UK and Japan, but not in the US. Uh, I wonder why. Uh, it was the first film to p- depict the cavalry as not being good, always good. Yeah, um, and it was a year after the revelations came out about Milai. Mm. Um, 
uh, it literally spells out what it's about from the start. Yeah. And uh, it was filmed in Mexico with locals, including amputees, playing the massacre victims. Mm. <clears throat> so it, it was it was like shockingly brutal for the time. Yeah. Um, that is not nearly as nasty as what actually happened. No. Yeah. Um, but yeah, pretty strong stuff. Yeah. Um, Summer in the Night from 1946, directed by Joseph L. Mankovich. It's, it's that film noir about the uh, amnesiac veteran who finds he may or may not have murdered someone. That's and, a unique uh, tale. Yeah, and may or may not have been involved in $2 million stashed by the Nazis. Um, this is like one of the first, if not the first of those amnesiac yeah. veteran films. Uh, stars John Hodiak, uh, the debut movie of, of uh, Nancy Guild. Um, the other femme fatale is played by, played by Margot Wood. Um, also got Richard Conti and Whit Bissell in it. Uh, I really like this. This is one of my favourite noirs. Oh, I'll check it out. Or films noir. Um, Speaking of Murder from 1957, Gilles Grangier. Or Gilles Grangier. Uh, it's got Jean Gabin in it. He leads a gang. And one of the gang members is played by Lino Ventura, and he's the trigger happy one. Yeah. And uh, after a particularly violent heist, someone rats them out and they don't know who it is and things get really messy. Um, this is written by Auguste Le Breton, who wrote uh, Rififi, which is okay. fantastic. Have you seen them, Rififi? I've not. But I, I believe I have. Yeah, it's just got it's that classic set piece, robbery. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, this one's engrossing. It's quite standard, but it's, you know, it's okay. Uh, Teenage Doll, 1957, Roger Corman. Uh-oh. Uh, Lots of walking. Yeah. Semi-animated opening credits were cool. And after that, it's uh, all backstreet locations and unconvincing sets. Um, Faye Spain, who was later in The Godfather Part Two, uh, she's the leader of the Black Widow's girl gang who hang out with the Tarantulas boy gang. Um, you got June Kenny from Earth vs. the Spider. Oh, good. Mm. Who plays Barbara, who gets into a fight which ends with the death of one of the Black Widows. Uh, after much socially responsible insights into the broken homes of the gang members, during which the women usually stand around in negligee, uh, there's a rumble at the scrapyard between the Black Widows, the Tarantulas, the Vandals and the Vandalettes. Uh, other common regulars include Barbara Morris, Ed Nelson and Bruno Vesota. All right. Yep. Uh, La Verité from 1960. This is by uh, Henri Georges Clouseau. Clouseau. Who did uh, Wages of Fear and Diabolique. And... Ah. Um, <clears throat> so I was particularly impressed by the editing on this watch. Uh, Brigitte Bardot plays Dominique on trial, ostensibly for the murder of her lover, but also for being a woman who goes out and gets what she wants. Uh, you can see how there's not much of a line between fiction and fact here. Uh, could, you know, Bardo was going through a whole bunch of ordeals all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, she was she's in a brief marriage. She just had a child. Uh, the press were like nuts. There's like hundreds, literally hundreds of press. They're like she lived in this apartment, and like all the apartments around her were rented out by the press. Oh, there were people up on the roofs pretending to be TV repair people, and yeah. they all had these like massive. Cameras just trained on her all the time. Man. Uh, and her own secretary wrote a tell-all book about about her at the time as well. So, she, yeah, she was under a lot of stress. And this film was hard to make as well. 
Um, but yeah, it's a really strong film, La Verité. Mm-hmm. Um, Put that on the list because yeah. I know I haven't seen that one. Yeah, I, I can lend it to you if you like. Cool. Um, let's see, oh yeah, there's there's a you know I talked about that weird happening in my uh, neighborhood with yeah. the, the court of towels last time. Uh, like <laughs> we were out, out walking our dogs in the middle of the day, and there's this 21st century car chase. As this woman, women were racing after each other. And screeching around corners at top speed, and but the the funny thing was they were playing the navigation system at top volume. <laughs> Says so his volume going turn right at the next corner. That's <laughs> crazy. Really loud. That is crazy. Did you uh, happen to put up a? Uh, not that you're a basketball fan, but a goose on your porch with a Wheaties box. Because there is a picture on, on Reddit that looks exactly like your porch. And it's in Denver, and it's got the little bakers. Uh, no. And I was like, there's no way that's Jolien, but that looks exactly like your porch. Yeah, it's a stuffed goose, and he's got a Nuggets jersey on, and they've cut up a TV box and made it a big giant uh, box of Wheaties. <laughs> and it's for the Nuggets. It's right after they won the championship. But yeah, the porch looks... So familiar. I'm like, wow. is that Jolene's huh. porch? Huh. I have to bring it. No, it's... it wasn't us. Mm. Yeah, the Nuggets won a championship or something while yeah. you were away. Yes. And like uh, 12 people got shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of it was unrelated, but still there Cop was... Cop got run over. Yeah. Yeah, there Cop were... He got hit by a bus or something. He got hit by the fire engine <laughs> that was in the parade. Mm. Might lose his leg. People going berserk in the streets. Uh-huh. Yeah. More That's... so than normal. <laughs> yeah crazy isn't it yeah anyway i'll leave it there i noticed that when you download podcasts in a different country it auto fills like all the spots where commercials go with commercials from that country oh so yeah i i refreshed my uh podcast feeds uh, because i listen to a lot of stuff and uh the other day at work i was like oh here's a couple i downloaded i haven't listened to yet and all of a sudden commercials in french it was weird to like have that happen and i'm like i caught none of that i think you were selling something anyway um recently watched for me um in addition to the previously mentioned renfield uh i did watch moon age daydream which Mm. i know you've watched by now Mm. a brilliant movie uh this one is uh basically to call it what it is it's a montage of the the career and life of David Bowie, uh, early stuff through pretty, pretty late in his career. Well, uh, does show some of his last album stuff where he knew he was dying and he made this album, but, uh, Bowie had so many different, um, philosophical, uh, platitudes he shared in interviews. And it was really cool to hear all of them. And, he evolved, but I won't say he did any crazy changes that were like, oh, now I believe this completely bananas thing. He would be, he would adjust it a little here and there based on life experience. But the concert footage, especially from, you know, the early seventies to mid seventies was just fantastic to see. You know, if you haven't seen a lot of it or you haven't seen some lately, it's pretty cool to see like how much performance art went in with just a live show. 
It wasn't just, oh, Bowie can really sing and his band can really play. But let's do all these lights and costumes, too. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Which goes with my philosophy of, hey, we're paying you. Jump around a little. Put on a show, yeah. <laughs> you know? You don't just stare at your shoes. Do something fun. And Bowie did above and beyond. Uh, Coming out and sitting on a folding chair and playing the guitar. I'm not getting <laughs> up for you people. <laughs> Who's the rock star here? Yeah. Now shut up and You listen. came to see me. <laughs> right. Um, you, you could go on and on about this, but it, it, it bears mentioning that, uh, this movie, um, at 140 minutes, you will never be bored. I mean, you get to see him all over the world. Uh, for a lot of his life, it didn't seem like he was super interested in having a home. So I think he had a lot of apartments and hotel stays, it seemed. He was a fabulously rich couch surfer. That's <laughs> kind of what it was. <laughs> Imagine Bowie coming over and sleeping on your couch for a couple of weeks. <laughs> Never cleans up after himself. You're like, oh, he drank all the milk. He, he didn't get rich till the 80s. Yeah. Because, like, uh, the manager ran off with money he made a oh, ziggy. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, that's the bad old days of ripping off rock stars and Not actors. Like today. Yeah. Well, some some musicians are are pretty thoughtful about how to get how to get it back. You know, the, another story the there. Kasha that is a new artist or current artist who, even though she was sexually assaulted by her producer, she still had to work with him because Ugh. they had a contract. They went to court for this, and she still had to go work with him. I mean, oh. how is that? It's horrible. That's good. Good stuff, you know, so Hollywood's not changed. I think, uh, and this is one of them that I watched on the plane, uh, I think people sitting near me were like, I should be watching that. Because <laughs> there's so much going on visually. Uh, oh, looking yeah. over. I can lend it to you if you like, so you can watch it on a proper on a, on a big television. A proper sound system. I would say yes, but I believe this is on HBO. I think you can just... Oh, okay. Yeah. But uh, if it's not, I will take you up on that because I would watch yeah, it. We've got it on Blu-ray and then um, Criterion's doing a 4K. Oh, very nice. Um, Scream 6 uh-huh. was another one I was able to watch. Yeah, I want to see that. Uh, I am happy with it um, because it seems like some of these franchises that kind of go on and on can get a little lazy and a little boring and this one is just like hey what if we took this a little different direction uh this is a year after the killings in woodsboro that are orchestrated by richie and amber um uh the the university professor is murdered and uh by one of her students wearing a ghost face costume and um this is Ghostface goes to New York, right? <laughs> Go, takes Manhattan. Ghostface, Ghostface takes, takes Manhattan. Manhattan. That's it. Uh, well, Ghostface a, really took Staten Island, but that's a different Ghostface. I think that would be funnier. Um, this one, basically, you you get double faked and triple faked. I think uh, we are first shown some kind of fanboy killer, and. Uh, it's not a big spoiler to say he doesn't end up being the main killer, nor does he make it to the end of the movie. Um, but then we we discover that, ooh, it could be somebody else. It could be something else. And they really do kind of trick you a couple times and fake you out and, and get you to the point where 
you're not really sure, and then you are, and then you're wrong. Uh-huh. Or, or maybe you're right. I don't know. Maybe you read it better than I Bruce did. Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. <laughs> he was. And, yeah, that kid is looking so much older now. Um, this one uh, had a budget of $33 million-ish, made $168 million, so made that means... Five dollar, or $500.39. $539. Well, not that box office is everything, but that, I think that tells us there's going to be a Scream 7. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Now, they probably all planned it. Now, they made the M turn into, with with some red, yeah, into Roman a, numeral six. Yeah, Roman numeral six. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So it is. Scream V. Scream VI. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, worth a look for sure. This, I'm not sure where you could watch it because, it, like I said, it was on the plane <laughs> when I watched it. It's, uh, it's a just, little expensive to watch a movie. <laughs> yeah. If you have to buy a plane a ticket <laughs> on British Airways to you know, see, <laughs> I'm done. I'm done with these movie theaters. You know, yeah. I, I only watch yeah, movies on planes. Strictly on planes. Only. Yeah, yeah. And uh, another one I watched <laughs> on a plane. Okay. Well, it's was, like 14 hours, aren't you? Uh, on a plane. No, it's. I think from Heathrow to Denver, it's a direct flight. Consider, really? Considering. Uh, considering the turn of the earth and everything, I think it ends up being like eight hours plus okay. a little. It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I was like, oh, what's it going to be, 12 hours? No, it's only like eight or so. But going there, is it yeah. take longer because the earth's well, going see. the wrong way? Or is it slow? <laughs> you kind of hop over the top of the planet a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember. So with, with the turn of the earth being as it is... Um, if you jumped up high enough, could you stay there in the air while the Absolutely. earth rotates under you? If you're not careful, you hit the back of the plane. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think you're, I think your destination's moving toward you as you move toward it on the return trip, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, in, yeah, it's not that bad. What? Yeah. Well, okay. So <laughs> well, you're, the, you're yeah. going, you're going west and the planet is rotating east. So your so destination you're... is coming to you as you come to it. Yeah. I see. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's not it's not that bad. Uh, so Zombieland Double Tap just never happened to get around to this one. I started watching it. I never got around to watching the first one. I felt like I got the first movie over again. Mm-hmm. So I was okay with that. Okay. I thought, you know what? Don't switch out. You know the the main two or three actors for somebody different, who's kind of up and coming but not really famous enough yet. No, they just. Brought back Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg, Emma Stone, and a few new ones who um, made it a more interesting scenario than just going over the same steps. Uh, Yeah, it's the same movie, basically. And if you liked the first one, you might like this one. Or, like Jolien, you may not make it through it. (laughs) Uh, It came out in 2019, so it's not like it's new. You should be able to find it and watch it somewhere. On any airplane flight, not just British Airways. Yeah. Southwest probably has it. You Frontier, could, I know, has it. Yeah, you could probably... No, Frontier doesn't have anything. <laughs> They're so well, cheap. they have a still picture they taped up. And it's not even from <laughs> this movie. Flip, they have a flip book <laughs> that they, they bring around, but they charge you $17 for it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the flight that's attendants right. just enact it. Oh, that's even better. Yeah, I like that. Really I wish cool. they would do that. Yeah. If they had cleared out like the first row there, 
And they had to do a little play while you were in the air? They can afford to do it because it's just on short flights only. So you have to take a lot of flights to catch the whole To catch the whole. It's a series now. Every episode's another flight. So They could probably do Birdemic better than Birdemic. Mm. They probably could. But would anybody want to try? Even though you know you could make a better movie in your sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this one you get some locations. uh, Well, I'm sure they're sets, but you get you get the uh, these survival people hanging out in the White House, and then they decide to take a trip to Graceland, and they find out that there's some dippy hippie pacifist camp that they need to go try and help their friend who's ended up there and is probably going to be in big danger. So it, it, it is a little different. Uh, worth a look. So there's that. Um, Jolien, you picked The Blood Beast Terror. I thought I picked Orphan. I lent you Blood Beast Terror. Oh! <laughs> oh, I was under the impression that you had also picked it because it was Moths, or a moth. Well, we were talking about Moths and Mothman and Moth yeah. movies. So I lent Richard the Beast Terror, which is the only like English language <laughs> moth, moth horror movie. movie I know. Yeah. And there's like a Japanese one. Should we pause called, and watch Orphan uh, 2 and come back? Kyuketsukiga from the 50s. Okay. But, um, so, yeah, I thought we were doing Orphan. <laughs> oh, oh well. man. So, so that's still in the pipe. Well, uh, we'll the... ask you questions about Blood Beast of Terror, but okay. you give us answers from orphan Two. okay <laughs> have you watched this recently no okay <laughs> this so i can make something up in yeah entirely or we could record you know watch it and record another time and patch it in yeah, here. i'm happy to li- listen to you talking about it okay yeah. so, so this one is um blood pudding of terror <laughs> <laughs> spotted dick of terror <laughs> <laughs> I looked up how many movies have Blood Beast in the title. Mm. A lot. I couldn't count them all, but there, there's you, a bunch. You could get a whole like Night of the marathon. Uh, yeah, Night of the Blood yeah. Beast, which has a burnt up parrot as a villain. Beast of Blood. Beast of Blood. Uh, kind of fits, but there's a. Uh, oh, there were a couple others. You know, Day of the Blood Beast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mid afternoon. Tea time of the Blood Beast. So, Blood Beastemic. Blood Beastemic. Now, maybe because of when it was made and when, uh, and, and we'll do a synopsis or something real quick, but um, maybe because of the country it was made in, the actors in it, and, and, and the time it was filmed, it, it feels like a hammer film, but mm-hmm. it's a, is it Tygon? Tygon, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what that word means, but. Um, it's like a portmanteau of couple of different ways i forget what it was oh okay the people who founded it so someone made something up okay uh so it was uh tygon british film productions uh this was released in february of 1968 and uh as they were fond of doing in england at the time with filmmaking it was set in uh, frilly shirt times mm-hmm. yeah uh-huh. victorian or edwardian mm-hmm. i think it was more edwardian but that adds a lot of production value. I like that. I like those movies set at that time, you know. Yeah. I do too. From the 60s or so. Mm-hmm. But uh, but sometimes I would wonder, like, why don't they just set it in the present? Would it not be easier? No, because they already have all those sets and costumes from 
every other movie they made that's got the same. And you can sell a British movie as a, like a historical a piece. piece. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's not just a pulpy movie about a killer moth. Now it's mm-hmm. elevated. Yeah. 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 So it's one of them smart foreign movies. You've got actors who actually did Shakespeare. And yeah, not just people who may have heard of him. Mm-hmm. I think I went to school with that guy. <laughs> What's he done again? What's he known for? What did he do recently? Bill Shakespeare. Billy Shakes, they call him. Yeah. He's a rummy down by the tracks. He's the bard with the nods. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll read the the briefest blurb on this I can find. Uh, this, the storyline, uh, from IMDB says a scientist working with genetics creates a creature that is capable of transforming back and forth between a giant death head moth and a beautiful woman. The creature masquerades as his daughter when she is in her human incarnation and feeds on the blood of her victims when she is in moth form. Hmm. Now, moth form. this old story. Yes. How many times have we seen this? So we have Peter Cushing playing Christopher Lee playing Peter Cushing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think they're playing Sherlock, but it could be a knockoff. <laughs> yeah, he's he's kind kind of is giving Sherlock vibes, isn't he? Uh, Basil Rathbone was supposed to be the lead or oh, yeah? the detective that Cushing took over. Oh, Cushing and Lee both played Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, and so did Rathbone. Yeah, oh yeah. So all, they could have had all three of them on the set. Yes. You know. Didn't Rathbone do a, a version of Moby Dick around this time? I mean, I know he was in one, but... No idea. What? Yeah, Basil Rathbone was in... I think he was in Hillbillies in the Haunted House <laughs> <Yeah>. about this time. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. That's, that's where his career was around That's where, you know, he really made his name. People are kind of... They knew about it, maybe, but... You just say hillbillies in a haunted house, and they're like, oh, my God, Basil Rathbone, Basil Rathbone. (laughs) He was in uh, the limp. Ron Chaney Jr.'s in it, and he looks so wasted, (laughs) like he's barely alive. Yeah, I could be wrong on that. I'm not not finding that popping right up, but uh, are you thinking... I might be thinking of some other actor. Yeah. Eh. Raymond Massey and Moby Dick? Maybe. Didn't he play Ahab? Ahab? Yeah. Gregory Peck was. Oh. Ahab. Maybe the 50s version. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Gregory Peck was a good Ahab. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they didn't really have Maori um, characters figured out yet back then, did they? (laughs) They're just like, ah, put some swirlies on him and give him a funny hairdo. But, you know, the harpooners were all from different places that would, uh, we're talking about Moby Dick here. Okay. (laughs) Not Blood Beast of Terror? No, back to that movie. Okay, this, uh, uh, we we see some moth catching happening early on in the movie. Mm -hmm. And then we see some grisly murders. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And... In order to tie the two together, you have to watch the movie. Mm-hmm. So uh, I did, and I must have missed this. I did not get where the where the science made the transformation possible. I somehow missed that. Mm, I don't think they put that in. Maybe they were they... using electricity. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. They. I don't know what else they had. 
Yeah, the galvanic uh, response. Yeah, I like the guy who the said, he asked him, where did you come up with that? And the writer goes, I made it up. I'm like, no, you didn't. <laughs> he read Frankenstein like everyone else. Yeah. You swapped Frankenstein for Burke and Hare. And I don't know, that's a pretty good switch, I think. Yeah. It, it was a good mashup. I like the set. Yeah. And I like that the doctor says, oh, it looks like a thunderstorm. And then they cut, hard cut to a guy waving that metal sheet for the thunder. Mm-hmm. And like, well, did they film this? Were they meant to film this? <laughs> Is this backstage? <laughs> and then, no, it's it's a movie or it's a play they're at. Yeah, they're doing the little stage play. Yeah. Uh, they did use a big sheet of metal for thunder in, in, yeah, no, in theaters. That's pretty common. Yeah. I, I like... I like whenever it turns up in a TV show or a movie, though. <laughs> uh, what did they do for lightning back in those days, though? Uh, he had a little like generator that made a spark. Oh, but okay. I don't know how that would be seen on stage. I imagine it made a flash of light, but it's the seen... stage was fairly well lit, so I don't know. Maybe it was out the window. I didn't really catch that part. Yeah, it kind of, it kind of seems like there must have been some cutoff point at which... You know, previous to this date in history, you couldn't have made lightning on stage. Well, before discovery of electricity, I suppose. Well, yeah. The Greeks very seldom used electricity in their place. <laughs> <laughs> well, they maybe just made, you know, lightning bolts out of sticks and lowered them on strings. Probably. Didn't they have gods to do that sort of thing? They did. Well, they claimed to. Huh. But what are oh, they... Oh, you cynic. What have they been up to lately? Well, you know, time is really relative to them. So, you know, thousands of years they've been gone for the weekend. That's probably true. You know. Well, wait till they come home. They're going to be pissed. They're going to be tired and jet lagged. And they're just going to want to sleep for a while. And then they'll get up to their usual they're gonna wanna tell you. They're going to want to tell you about all the movies they watched on the trip. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, yeah, so we get... Um, uh, Detective Inspector Quennell Quinnell mm-hmm. of Scotland Yard. And uh, this is our Peter Cushing character. And uh, he has an assistant, Sergeant Allen. And uh, I did notice that some of these characters were a little... We, we did get a little two-dimensional uh, at a couple points. Hmm. You um, think? Uh, let's see. Did I take notes on this? Like maybe the coroner? Um, yeah, or let's see. Whoever. Yeah, the, co- the coroner, that's the one. Uh, he's like, oh, I have a bite to eat, you know, and he gets out his little. Oh, it's not a sandwich eating coroner, is it? Yeah. Uh, well, it's a pot pie or something, isn't he's it? He's eating something. And then he has a sausage at one point and the body sitting there, you see its toes move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, um, the witness to the latest killing has gone completely mad. Uh huh. And at least the officials are hanging around just calmly drinking tea. Yeah. The, the yeah. inspectors. Yeah, they're just walking around with cup after cup of tea, just stirring it and sipping and talking. There's no rush. Yeah. We'll get around to it. He's still going to be dead, right? Yeah, he's not getting any deader. Right? Uh, but yeah, the uh, the guy working at the, at the morgue is definitely a bit off. Uh-huh. And uh, I did like that about him. Yeah, no, I thought he was good. I mean, it's real tropey, but... Yeah, I mean, it might have been a little earlier on the trope, but yeah, a, a coroner setting a sandwich on the chest of the... There's something earlier that I... Uh, 
it's a cheap B movie, but it's from the late thirties, early forties. Um, it's got a real generic title too, but anyway, there's a, uh, eating more, you know, Mm -hmm. mortician there. He's eating something. The snacking mortician. Yeah, that's it. Snacking mortician. (laughs) We sold my, well, my friend sold popcorn for the Boy Scouts when we were in junior high. Mm Mm-hmm. And he he and I went into the mortuary. He was really going to see if people wanted to buy it, but they weren't. The staff was like, no, no, no. So he goes, anyone in the back up for some? (laughs) (laughs) Get out of here. Uh, Let's see. Um, Just a second here. This is like the movie. Yeah, yeah. Just a second. Just hold up. Wait, wait. Hold on now. Wait. You're going to love it at the end when you get to see the moth. It's well Mm. worth it. Oh, it's worse than a Dawn Post mask. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We tried? Yeah, I I didn't like that. And I didn't understand the ending. She has attacked uh, Billy the bug catcher. And the inspector comes out and his sergeant... And the sergeant fires a lot of shots at the moth as it takes off. Sorry. That's a good sound uh, effect. Yeah. Thunder. Uh, and they have a fire there. And then all of a sudden the moth is on fire. Did she fly into the fire? Yeah. <laughs> like a it moth to a flame? Yeah, exactly. But they don't show any of that. Nah. She's just on fire. And then they poorly edit in the woman's like, body over the dummy. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So by the end, you're like, mm, I really like the start of this movie. You know, I like when it's mysterious mm-hmm. up to the point they right. start solving it and then it falls apart. Usually. Yeah. This is it's pretty much the same plot as um, as a Hammer film called The Reptile. Yes. Uh, pretty much the same as that, but not as good. Yeah. No. So, so they just recycled it. Yeah. Did that come before this one? Yeah. That was 66, okay. I think. Yeah. That I wondered a, if this was influenced by the Mothman sightings here. In the States. When, when did that start? I believe 66. Okay. Hmm. So, Maybe. I believe the bridge collapse was the year before, 65. The Silver Bridge? Or no, the bridge was at the end of the Mothman, Reign of Terror. Yeah. Um, He looked about as real, too. It's the moth in this movie, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, the... the um, he was a bit more plush. Yeah, he was fuzzier. Yeah, there there was one uh, gratuitous use of uh, cleavage in this was uh, when they were doing the little stage play thing with the little fake generator and the noises. Um, the camera looks from the the woman on the the hospital bed or whatever you want to call it uh, looks looks from basically above her head, pretty much down her cleavage. And I thought, if you're doing that, you know, you could have loaded this movie with that, and you probably would have done better at the box office from whatever they did make i don't know if it was a success or not i don't know i've watched a lot of movies lately with toplessness it doesn't improve much <laughs> i think after you're about 15 you, i mean you're still excited to see breast of course but some of the glamour's worn off some of the mystery some yeah. of the shine's gone definitely by the time you're 40 <laughs> you know and taking art classes <clears throat> I don't mind seeing naked people at all. It's whatever. Yeah, it's just, yeah. I don't. 
people to freak out. It all becomes very clinical after a certain point, doesn't it? If you go to the spa and there's old guys walking around naked in the locker room, that's how it is. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of day for night in this movie. Yes. I love, I used to hate day for night. Now I love it. Did you know Nope had a day for night shot? Did it? Yes. The whole, and when you see, when somebody points it out, you're like, how didn't I notice that? But the whole part in the movie where the horse riding the very beginning. Yeah. And I think the horse bolts and he takes off after him or whatever. Um, yeah, it's day for night. And you you see it once someone's told you and you're like, Oh my God! How did yeah, but when that? it's done in a certain way, it's kind of dreamy. Yeah, it's like, uh, there's this '50s movie called The She Creature. Oh, I've seen The and She the, Creature. And there's like all, all this beach and the, the ocean waves going, and it's all day for night, and it looks really, it looks better than it would have if they'd actually shot it at, at know, night, yeah, as a day scene or a night scene. Or a night scene, yeah. Is yeah, it's really yeah. Nice. I watched She Creature a couple months ago. She turns into kind of the creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, kind of, but more stacked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> than the Gilman. Yeah, definitely. If those two got together, oh man, Gil babies. Mm-hmm. You could sell them. When they get too big, you flush them down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> What's it the says right on the package. And there's a movie. Yeah, we should watch that movie. Uh, We're of course speaking of Little Orphan Annie. So we're <laughs> this movie we're we're clued in at the end after after the whole wear moth thing seems to to have uh, been resolved that uh, the the possibility that somebody's working on a male wear moth as a potential mate yeah uh, that seems to maybe hint at a, a sequel but but one, they don't make him in time and she gets burned to a crisp. Mm-hmm. No moth babies in this. Yeah. No ba- moth babies in the future. Yeah, I was ready to... Somehow Mothman and Mothrick got hooked up, but... Yeah, I was that's ready That's just to... weird. I was going to pause it and go see, like, is there is there a like, sequel I didn't know about? Because it seemed like it was steering in that direction. But... There is not. No. Uh, you know, back when there were bubbles coming up from the swamp or, you know... Mm-hmm. Yeah. The hand, the hand reaching out of the grave. It's like, you're going to get a sequel. But we don't. No. So, um, Jolien, you said you hadn't seen this in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you? Uh, what do you remember liking about it? Uh, or it looks nice, you know, the, as usual for British period horror films. You can You've got got your Peter Cushing. Yeah, you can sit around and pick out the, all the actors yeah, and try to think where they were right. in other films. Um, all the, the theater bits and the stately homes and, and nonsense. Yeah. The frilly shirts. Um, I like the cocoon. Yeah. That's a good image. Yeah. But yeah, I remember that the ending is super lame. Yeah, it's just... Peter Cushing said this was his worst film. <laughs> Did he really say that? Yeah. Oh, bummer. Uh, he was in a lot of movies, too, so... He was. Most of them are good, though. Yeah, no. He's a good actor. Um, yeah, Tygon... I'd say this and Star Wars probably his worst film. No. <laughs> he, was, he was not feeling it with Star Wars, was he? He wore slippers the whole time because <laughs> the boots didn't fit him. They pinched his feet, so he's like, I'm not wearing those. Oh, I'm just going to walk around in slippers. <laughs> Don't film them. <laughs> like I shouldn't do, I clicked on uh, 
like the did you know part of IMDb. And it says one of the many films that Peter Cushing made about this time to help pay for his health treatments. His wife's of health his, uh, Of his uh, beloved wife, Helene. She would later die of emphysema in 1971. She would later die in a moth attack, <laughs> which is why he said this is his worst film. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's... Uh, they should have used Miller moths instead of a death head. Yeah. Uh, yeah, whoever did the translation on this... As I was telling Jolene earlier, uh, at first I thought maybe they were going off the script because sometimes it's different than what they actually say. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then I realized, no, this has to be AI that's doing this because it's using strange words uh, or not knowing uh, any, any British slang or anything. It just tries to write something in. So it's very odd. Yeah. Yeah, it is weird when you see, uh, I don't know, the whole a lot of those streaming platforms, they just grab a single still from the movie that contextually has nothing to do with anything. It'll be like some, you know, third-rate character that's not really doing anything interesting. Yeah, standing in a room in front of a door it, yeah, in the middle a, of a sentence. And yeah. you're like, what hey, is this movie? Who's you this read guy it, with a like, beard? Cannibals invade. You know, you're like... <laughs> who's the... Yeah, there's a bearded guy in a doorway. What the fuck is this? Um, the the char- bearded guy in the doorway, part two. <laughs> right, bearded and Ooh. and like uh, the descriptions sometimes have typos in them. So either mm-hmm. they're paying people for data entry and not proofing it, or having like you said, AI maybe is doing it. But um, yeah, revealing mistakes and character er- errors. You mentioned the wiggling toes. I did, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, there's also the character error where the person who was attacked is brought in a carriage to the police inspector and the professor. He moans. The police inspector says, I think he's still alive, even um, though he is clearly sees that he's alive. That doesn't make any sense. He, he arrives, and they're like, this guy's been attacked. And the doctor looks in, and he says, go grab my bag. Or I think uh, Peter Cushing says, you know. I think he may be alive. I I took that moan as his, you know, sort of death rattle. Okay. That was it. Because right after the doctor says, up oh, too late. Okay. Didn't get my bag. So maybe enough. that was no error at all. I didn't think that was an okay. error. I think that's some nitpicky person who was bored and trying to find something to <laughs> nitpick. Yeah. Fucking if and peers. Yeah. So, um, yeah, all in all, though, um, how'd you like it? I liked it well enough till the end. Yeah. Um, it could have been a little quicker uh, at times. It, it sort of bogged down at the end. Yeah, it's less than 90 minutes, but oh, it does yeah, have sure. a couple slow moments. Yeah. Yeah, I find that most of Tycoon's horror films. Yeah, they come up with about 45 minutes of idea, and then they go... Yeah, there's too much padding. Yeah, let's... yeah, a lot, a lot of filler. That yeah. was the, the main problem and the, the lame moth. Usually I don't care if the monster looks bad, but it looked really bad. It was like the uh, styrofoam-headed alien from being from another planet or something. (laughs) Blank expression, big plastic eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Would you recommend it? Mm, Only if you've seen everything else, (laughs) including Birdemic. (laughs) You can watch this if you've seen Birdemic. 
as, yeah. as a reward. Yeah, as a reward. For climbing. It will look so much better. Yeah. You'll be like, that is a fucking masterpiece. <laughs> yeah. This Part is... of your conditioning to going back to good movies. Yes. It's, like, it's like cult conditioning, isn't it? Yeah. It's trying to unbrainwash you, though. Yeah. Trying to get you out of the cult. Yeah, we got sleep deprivation and bad movie watching. Uh-huh. Then then your reward is going to be to watch some Tygon movies. <laughs> Uh, and you'll love them. Yeah, you could. Be you'll like, get to watch the room. These are beautiful. They're and it's classics. better than Birdemic. Um, I will say that uh, of all the Hammer and Amicus and now Tygon movies that I've seen, um, this is not in in you know it's not on the top shelf of all that stuff, but it's still fun to watch. Mm-hmm. It's somewhere down in the bargain bin. Well, you sure. Yeah. <laughs> They've knocked a couple bucks we, off. We, we, both spend a lot of our lives watching stuff from the bargain bins. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would give it a soft recommend if somebody enjoys um, this era of British filmmaking and wants to uh, watch another one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, watch this. Why not? Sure. Um, that being said... Um, I don't know what the next pick is. I don't know who it is. I guess it's going to be me. Yeah. Me. I pick Orphan. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready. Is it, is Let's it go. Or, is it Orphan or Orphan 2? Oh, you you got to do Orphan. First. Okay, because we have not yet. Have I'm you not sure. seen it? You pick I have not, Orphan, I, and I'll pick <clears throat> Orphan too. Think orphans on Max. Okay, I've <laughs> seen the Orphan, or is this just Orphan? Is, Are there two different movies? Yeah, there's Orphan, and then there's uh, Orphan First Kill, mm. which is the prequel. Hmm. Orphan of Terror. The orphaning. Blood Orphan. The orphaning. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the one. Yeah. So um next time the orphan? Yeah. Or is it just orphan? That's not the orphan. It's orphan. It's just the orphan. the mm-hmm. <laughs> the the. Do you remember that band? The the? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Matt, orphan. John, Matt Johnson, brilliant musician. <laughs> um it's a biography of Orphan Wells. Orphan, orphan wells. wells. I like that. I like that idea. That's the well they threw orphans down in. <laughs> they probably till they learned that they could use their souls to keep people like Dick Clark alive for a hundred years. <laughs> uh, you almost made Jolien do a spit take. Yep. Oh, that would have been good. Uh, all right. So next next week's movie is Orphan, comma the. Okay. All right. Listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, look out for the moths. <laughs> ah! <laughs>